Matthew chapter 6. You see on the screen behind me some puzzle pieces. <laughs> how many of you, I don't know how I want to ask this. How many of you have ever enjoyed putting together a, piece, a puzzle? Okay. At least there's some honest people that I saw here that never raised their hand. Uh, you know, when we're kids, we like to put together those pieces. And, and you remember it's got the bottom on it. It's cut out. And the pieces are big, and it's about eight pieces. And, boy, you get it together, and you just are having such a good time because, and, you're, and it feels good because you're a kid, and you get a puzzle put together, and it's great. And then they do something weird. I think they got this backwards. You get older, your eyesight gets worse, and the pieces get smaller and more of them. And pretty quickly it goes from eight pieces to like eight million pieces that the Lord himself would have problems putting together. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, thank you. I got that hand back there. Has anybody but me sworn off puzzles? No, there we go. Yeah. Now, if you want to know, I'm going to give you a confession that I don't have to make. I swore off puzzles because normally if I sat down and trying to put one of those 500 or 1,000 pieces together, I wind up having to repent. Does anybody know what I'm talking about there? Yes, I got you. Have you ever thought about your life as a puzzle? That's what I want you to do today. Just think about your life as a puzzle. For some, they're like, oh, it's just so simple. I got it. It's the eight-piece kind, and I can get it together. But for most of us, it's more like that eight million pieces you don't have a background. You're trying, you're trying your best to put it together. You're trying to put the right thing in the right place at the right time. When I think about life, my uh, attention goes, my mind goes to that deep theologian, Forrest Gump's mother, who says, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, you may like that, and I don't want to be one to criticize Forrest Gump's mother because she seemed to be pretty wise, but I'm going to give you a couple of others. I would say to you that life is like a garden. Be careful what you plant so you'll know what you reap. I'd also say this. Life is like a puzzle. It only works when you fit the right pieces in the right place. Today we're talking about life. We're talking about a life. We're going to talk about your life. We're going to talk about my life. You see, in most people, if you're honest, what you really want is you're searching for peace, joy, security, and happiness would be on top. And I'll just tell you, for most of my preaching life, 30 years, when you tell me you're searching for happiness, I will tell you that God is not, I would have told you that God is not as much interested in our happiness as our holiness. That sounds good, and I believe God is more concerned about our holiness than we know. I read this morning, 1 Peter, he said, be holy as I am holy. But here's what I want you to get your mind around this morning. 
Holiness and happiness are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're more mutually inclusive than we actually know. I think they're connected. As far as he being our creator, he probably knows, he probably has the answer for both our holiness and our happiness. So against that backdrop that if I were to ask you what's going wrong in the 21st century America, if God is concerned about all of this, what's going wrong in the 21st century America? Because in 21st century America, life is generally in a mess. We come into a place like this and uh, we feel like we've got to put on our, our best shoe and our bet, best foot and we'd never own up to it. But I want to tell you, life inside the church is just as much a mess as it is outside the church. We're still seeking answers. We're still looking for things. Life all over is... People are asking questions. People, people are struggling. How do I know this? A thing called the Internet. I did some searching this week. You'd be surprised what you find if you search how to find happiness. You find uh, there you'll, there'll be 12 easy steps, 16 easy ways. I love this one. 50 ways, 7 steps, 40 ways, 40 things to do, 6 ways, 17. And then I go on. I mean, it's all over the Internet. My question is, what if you take one of those lists at their word and you follow it down, you follow these steps, and at the end of the day, your life is still in a mess? asking questions but that's the folks if you're asking questions here's what I want to tell you questions are a part of life in fact the right question the right answer is a piece in your puzzle most people move from question to question things like how do we discover peace how do we discover joy how do we discover happiness how do, how do we attain fulfillment In his book, I have it on my desk, The God First Life. Pastor Stovall Wings points out, I want you to get this, that happiness, happiness is not about possessions and things and status and friends and the like. Happiness comes from a life that's in order. In order, and to illustrate this point, he uh, uh, he shares a story which I went and found of a quarterback whose name everybody would know, Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady today is one of the oldest guys still playing football. This little thirty seconds, I want you to see thirty second clip. Go ahead and turn the lights off, Tate, if you will. I want you to see this 30-second clip, and I want you to hear what Tom Brady said back in 2005 with three Super Bowl rings. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. 
I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And there, and there is the point. A man who could buy everything, go wherever he wanted, attained whatever he he had desired, and had no clue. You know, if we're honest, and if we're not arrogant, every person in this room has questions of some kind. Often those questions come daily. And the answer to these questions are like, Pieces of the puzzle when we find the right answers. It starts out, the questions start out when we're young. What do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do when I graduate? Will I go to college? Will I go to Votech school? Will I go in the military? Will I begin to work? Who will I marry? How will I find my mate? What, what do I, I want my mate to, to be like? How to find my way in life? And then you get a little older, and you ask things like, what's the best thing for my family? What's the best thing for my life? Where, where will I live? How will I live? How? And then you get to be senior adult, and you ask, where did the time go? I really thought I had more time than this. And even, is this all there is? What have I missed? And I offer this again and again today. Questions and answers. The right questions and right answers are the pieces to our puzzle. When the answers are found to the correct, to the correct questions, it fits those pieces in the proper place. But I want to say this to you. They are people. They are good people. There are church people. There are Christian people who come to the end of their lives and they have never found these things. They've never found peace. They've never found joy. They've never found security. They have never found happiness. Why? Because their pieces never came together. And when your pieces never come together, you'll end up with more questions than you know. When you're putting together a puzzle, <clears throat> particularly one of those eight million, those thousand piece things, you don't have a really a backdrop. You have a picture over here. And what you do is you, or I do, maybe this is why I get frustrated. You start in a corner and you get, and you get those pieces together. Then, then maybe you go down the bottom or the side where the flat surfaces are and you get them together. And now you have a foundation. Now you have something from which to work and you can work from the corner. Today I want to offer you the corner piece. I've entitled this message the first piece of your puzzle. You have to get that piece in the right position and the right place at the right time to give you the best opportunity of living life in the way that you really want to and in living life in the way that it becomes literally a divine masterpiece. So I want to ask you a question. 
put that first piece in your puzzle as a Christ follower. That question is, where does God fit into your life? I just want you to think about that. In this room, if I were to ask you to stand and tell where God fit in your life, Brother Jerry, he's top. Brother Jerry, he's first place. Brother Jerry, I love him more than anything else. Uh, the, the list goes on. And here's, here's the truth, is that I mean no disrespect. But these responses from this crowd are predictable The question is, is it true? That God fits first place in your life. If the Lord himself stood right there and you said, he's first place in my life, would he go, yep, that's right. Yep, that's right. Or would he go, I'm not even in the top ten. What would he say about your life, about where he Fits in. The answer to this question is the first is the first piece in our puzzle, whether we like it or not. I want us to bounce off this scripture today. It's the word that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first. Seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Now you know my propensity toward outlining things. You also know if you look in your bulletin that you don't have an outline there. But I have one. I want to give it to you. Let me just give you this five point outline for this message. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to lay everything out in front of you before we, before we unpack it. Go ahead, Mitch. The operation... The object, the obstacle, the outcome, and the objective. It's a way to just outline that verse. Now, how does that work? If you have your attention up here, you'll see. The operation is to seek first. The objective is God's righteousness and kingdom. The obstacles are all of these things. The outcome is they'll be added, and the objective is you. Now, somebody will go, Brother Jerry, how can you make the objective me? We'll get to that. But God knows that your objective is you. That's why he says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's why he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because he knows about the you in our life. So what I want to do, we're just going to leave that. There's going to be nothing else on the screen. I want to unpack this today for us. It says seek first. So let's begin with the word seek. Seek. He tells us what to do if we're going to get our life in order. He tells us what to do with this first piece to seek. Seek is not a passive word. It's an active word. Everybody in this room is seeking something or some things. We have something on the top of our agenda that we are seeking. Jesus said, watch this progressive. He said, ask it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and you'll be open. And every part of that is persistence. You ask and if you don't get it, you seek and you go get it. Now that seeking you'll find in Luke 15 where 
The shepherd had a hundred sheep. Ninety-nine were there. One got lost. What did he do? He went and sought after the sheep. The woman had the coin. She lost one. What did she do? She cleaned up the house so she could find it. She sought after it. Here's what I want to tell everybody in this room with no apologies. You're seek- you are seeking something in your life. It may be several. The question is, what is it? I can't answer that for you. You know, and the Father knows. Seek. Seek. And then it says, seek. First. But let, me, let me just. Seeking God. Seeking the Lord Jesus is not just simply attending worship, attending Sunday school, attending small group, all those, all of the, all, all, although those should be a part of any person who is seeking the Father. It should be a part. But just because you do that don't mean you're seeking Jesus. You see... When we seek Jesus, we're seeking something in here, not out here. Seek. Active. Seek first. We know about first around here, don't we? We love to be first. Hello? We love to be first. We got a group of young people here that that excel in track. I've watched these gals. They want to come home with the ribbons. They want to come home with the trophies. They want to stand on that center platform and win. We know about first. We want to be first in everything we do. Everything we do. Everything we do. You see, you see the truth is we, we want to be first in those things that are really important to us. But at the same time, as I've been told a couple of times... Just don't get over-concerned about this thing of Jesus and God and the church. It'll be okay. But it won't. What we seek first drives our life. You won't discover, you won't discover the attitude of it. It's just okay, Brother Jerry. You won't discover that attitude in this book at all. That I'll just give God what I want. I'll seek other things of this world and, and, and I'll give Him what's left. I'm going to tell you, it's not in this book. With Jesus, it's all or nothing. Rich young ruler came and Jesus let him walk away. We come in our arrogance and our pride that we're going to give Him whatever we want, whatever's left of our lives. He'll let us walk away. Seek. First, seek first. That's how your life is to operate. That's what Jesus said, not Brother Jerry. Seek first, then get to the object. What, are we, what, is, what is it that we're going to seek first? The Bible says, Jesus says, God's kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the things that are above us. First, not down the road, first. Is that where Jesus is in your life? First. You know why these are two, these two are put together, why Jesus put them together, God's kingdom and God's righteousness? Because you can't have one without the other. I want to say that again. 
I've said it too fast, Jason. You can't have one without the other. God's kingdom is filled with his righteousness, and his righteousness fills God's kingdom. So what we seek is we seek the Father. We seek the Son. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. It's a promise. When we seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness. And I'll just say this. When we miss this object, when we miss this priority, we are going to find ourselves just like Tom Brady 15 years ago, having no idea. You see, this piece of our puzzle never got put into place. God, who is the designer of our happiness, sent his son Jesus to reclaim us to himself and to bring us happiness. And that happiness, listen, young people, is only found in the kingdom of God. Oh, I want to live. Yeah. I've seen people live. And they come up wasting their lives. Because they never they never sell out. They just kind of, what was that? Put your right foot in, take your right that's what people do. They come into the church. They just put the right foot in. They don't like something. They take the right foot out. Put the right foot in and you shake it so everybody will know. Because you're inside. You see, that's not seeking God. That's not seeking the kingdom. That's not seeking first him and his righteousness. And I'm just going to say this to you. You can hate me if you like. As long as you're playing games and not seeking first God and his kingdom, the struggles are going to abound, even if you don't admit it. The struggles are going to abound, and you're not going to figure out what's going on. Because until you discover these principles, there's going to be one thing after another that keeps you from finding happiness. Seek first the operation. God's kingdom and his righteousness, the object. Isn't it interesting that all these things are the obstacles? Now, in context of the Scripture, what is he talking about? All these things. Well, he tells you. He tells you. If you back up to 31, verse 31, it says, Don't worry. So don't worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things, they'll be added. You don't have to worry about that. He's already said that, it, that, the, uh, um, that the plants are taken care of by the Father, that the animals are taken care of by the Father. The truth is, our basic needs, God's going to provide other things we want, God's going to provide, but we want them first. In our culture, we've kind of gotten things backwards. I know we have a lot of young adults, and just so everybody knows, where I am in my stage today, young adults are a lot older than they were 30 years ago, Pud. Y'all understand what I'm telling you? Today, when I mention young adults, I'm talking about those under 50. And when these guys talk about young adults, they're talking about those folks under 25. So, you know, it's a matter of your perspective. 
But here's what I'm saying. Young adults today see their parents and grandparents with a lot of stuff that we don't need. And so they get out of, get out of college and they have to have it immediately. And so they wind up with $20,000 credit card debt, debt to the bank, and they wonder why they can never find happiness and peace and joy and hope. You see, the truth is if we could teach our, our people, our young people, our young adults, each other, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what we need will be given. We don't have to go rake and scrape. We can trust the Father. He'll give it to us because when our life gets in order, remember what Stovall said, it's not about possessions and things. It's about life and order because when we get our life in order, when our top priority becomes the Father, when we have no competition for him in our lives, our Lord is ready, willing, and able to do far more than we can think or imagine. We have to trust Him. The things that we worry so much about, the things that we give so much attention to, the things that that take over our finite minds, that seem so important to us, matter nothing to God. He'll give us the things that we need. And all these things, they get to be obstacles for seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things stand in the way. If we get our life in order, the obstacles kind of fall away. I love this, the outcome. And this is truly the outcome. When you seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, then all these things, watch this, they'll be added. That's what he said. They'll be given. Everybody in this room, even with modern day core curriculum and modern math understand the concept of addition. We understand that. And it'll be added to us. Something piled on us. Because you see, folks, when we trust in the Lord, when we lean not on our own understanding, when in all our ways we acknowledge Him, <laughs> He will give us the desires of our heart. But watch this. When we depend on Him, when we seek first Him and His kingdom, that $90,000 automobile that you got your eyes set on may not mean so much. He may change you want to. Do you know what you'll find in the midst of it? Fulfillment and peace and joy. Because you get to that last one, you. I already told you, the very reason I think it points to you is because God knows how we are. Be offended. Most people are concerned more about number one than anything else. I'm going to take care of me and mine. You see, folks, we're a selfish lot. Not because we're spoiled Americans, which we are. We're a selfish lot because we are fallen humanity. 
The decision was made in the garden. And it permeates every person in this building. But it, isn't it just like God? If you'll get all of this right, if you'll seek Him first and His kingdom, then He will add to you everything you need. He will do the heavy lifting, lifting when you get your life in order before Him. I can't think of anybody who's come to him honestly and put him first in their life that he didn't bless amazingly. Where does God fit into your life? Is he the power that drives your life? Or is there something else? Are you really seeking something else? Now, brothers and sisters, I don't want to be. We're family here. I'm not trying to be mean. But that's a serious question for many of us. For many of us, when we walk out that door, we won't give God another thought to next Sunday morning when we come back in. For many of us, we're going to make our decision and we're not even going to pray about it. We're not going to talk to the Lord about it because we feel like we're our own people. That's not what's seeking first. God's kingdom and his righteousness is all about. It has to do with priorities. I want to tell you this. Whatever is first in your life controls you. It controls your schedule. It controls your pocketbook. It controls, it controls where you go. It controls what you say. It controls what you do. When we're over from this service today, it'll be the first thing out of your lips once again because you can't wait for the service to get over so you can get to talking about what it is that's first in your life. And I just want to say this to you. Until we deal with this personally and until other things have not trumped God in our life, God may, not, may choose not to do a work among us. Let me give you kind of a parallel about what, uh, maybe an illustration about how this works. I do it back to Stovall Weems in that book. He tells the story, they live in Jacksonville. He tells the story about he and a couple of guys taking their boys fishing. And they love to fish. Obviously, they're right there on the ocean. And they just go out a little bit and they'd catch the, uh, the specks and they'd catch the redfish. And they'd catch flounder, and they'd catch white trout when they were running, what have you. But the men decided that they wanted to carry their boys out to the rigs and get some snapper. And so they spent all their time getting all their stuff, their baits, their rigs, everything. He said, we got out to the rig, and boy, we loaded up. We caught, we caught our limit, and we were so proud. We had, we had done a good job. We had, we had made the preparation. He said, we turned to come in, got about halfway in, and the boat went DRT. Does anybody know what DRT stands for? I got one saying, yes, that means it's dead right there. It died. And he, said, he told the story, he said, in all, of our, in all of our distractedness of getting baits and rigs, and other things together, 
we forgot to fill the boat with gas. I wonder, with all the love in my heart, I wonder if we spend so much time on programs and ministries and activities and other things that we get so distracted that we forget to put the fuel in our tank. I began with this question, I end with this question. Where does God fit in in your life? He requires being first. For some, that would mean that you have to make a decision to invite him into your life and be saved. Let him change you from the inside out. For others, you've done that before, but you know, you know, as sure as I'm standing before you, you know that you've kind of elbowed him out. You said, you know, I can take it from here, God. You you give me heaven, I I can take it from here. And that's not acceptable to him. I ask today, would you make him Lord? First place. When you get ready to go on vacation, how about praying? Lord, you know, is this okay? Something else you have me do? You get ready, you get ready to be, uh, uh, to make a job change. Lord, is this okay? Would you tell me? You see, because he wants to be in every part of your life. Let's pray together. We're not going to sing. We're not going to sing. We're just going to listen to the music. Is God speaking to you? If he's speaking to you, What would you do with what he's saying? Is he wanting to come into your life and be first place? Would you surrender to him? You can take care of this right where you're sitting. But is God leading you to a decision? Do you need to trust Him? You come as we wait.